If you have your Bibles, please open them up to Colossians chapter 4. So we are going to wrap up the book of Colossians today, you guys. And then we're going to start a new series. And I believe I'm just going to jump right in next week in the Gospel of Matthew. So um, that will be a long series, 28 chapters, um, as we march chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the Gospel of Matthew. So um, sometimes um, in the Word of God... We find chapter and verse breaks that seem like they're a little out of place. Now, we know the word of God is inspired, but the chapter and verse breaks not necessarily inspired. Those were added later, right? When Paul wrote the book of Colossians, he didn't write chapter one, verse one and all those things. He wrote a letter. And then at some point we added the, the chapter and the verse breaks. And so, you know, maybe they did a really good job and got them all right. But sometimes it feels like they, they, they missed it by one or the chapter and verse break should have been somewhere else. This is a place right here where this verse of chapter four, verse one, seems like it should go with the section just above it. You guys remember um, when Jesus, not long after his dedication, or, or actually 30 years after his dedication, but only a few chapters later in the Bible, Jesus becomes of age, 30 years old. He's baptized by John the Baptist at 30. And then he comes to the temple, the same temple where he was, where he was dedicated. And in Luke chapter four, it says, so he came to Nazareth. You guys don't have to turn there. I'll be right back to Colossians. He came to Nazareth where he had, where he had been brought up and his, as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of Isaiah the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And Jesus closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all that just to say that day that Jesus entered the synagogue and they handed him the book of Isaiah, it wouldn't have been a book like we have it now. It would have been what? It would have been a scroll. It would have rolled from one side to the other side. And it would not have had Isaiah has 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. And so he's not like he turned to Isaiah 61 verses one and two and read that like he had to kind of be well versed enough to know how far to roll the scroll one way or the other to find the place in Isaiah that he wanted to read that particular scripture. And so, again, just to say that chapter four, verse one is in the wrong place. That's all I'm saying. So let's look at it. I'm actually going to catch it with the end. And what I want to talk about today, you guys, is the, the heart of the message that I want to share with you guys today is out of Colossians verses two through six um, about prayer. And so I, I gave you guys kind of a teaser last week that we are going to focus today on prayer. And I want to teach on fasting and what the Bible has to say about fasting. And the teaser that we gave last week was basically that um, you you cannot um, really be fulfilled and, and really grow in your Christian walk apart from fasting. And that was the teaser, but I'll try to play that out today. And so basically, if I ask you guys, you know, how do you relate to God? How do you, um, commune? How do you fellowship with the Lord? How do you make your connection with the Lord? And what, what are some necessary things in your life as a believer that you need to do to stay healthy as a believer and a Christian? I think most of us as Christians would agree, like you cannot do that apart from, and everybody would probably list the same stuff, praying and reading your Bible, right? We have a saying here. What is it? Read your Bible and pray every day. But I'm going to add to that 
fasting today. And, and hopefully by the time I'm done and by the time we walk through some of what the scripture has to say about it, that we'll, we'll be able to maybe understand that a little bit better. I'm going to challenge you guys a little bit today in, in taking what the word of God says and what Jesus said and maybe um, trying a fast. And as you guys know, we, we challenged our men here in our discipleship um, group to a 21-day fast. And the reason why we chose a 21-day fast is because it's um, Daniel, in the book of Daniel, he fasted for three weeks for 21 days. And that's where the 21 days comes from. It's just something we stole from Daniel out of, out of Daniel chapter 9. So we'll, we'll look at that too. But um, the last half of um, Colossians 4 is the salutations and, and, and Paul's final greetings. And so we're not going to spend a lot of time in that section today. So I apologize. We'll go back maybe our next time through Colossians and pick out some of those people in detail. But we got some other... Uh, fish to fry today. So, um, hey, let's just, let's look at chapter three, verse 18. We'll pick up there today. Um, it says, wives submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. So men, we unpacked those last week about wives submitting and husbands loving. Um, but I don't think I talked about it. I just want to remind you today, men, that the word talks about one of the things that for you as husbands is not to be bitter towards your wives. And I think that's important for us to at least make note of that because God's not going to, um, and Paul is not going to warn us to not have bitterness towards our wives. It's just not a tendency that we have as men. So God knows that, and, um, and, he, and he wants us to be on our guard for that. So if you're allowing things to bother you, to make you bitter, um, then, you know, you got to deal with it. you got to cut it out. P- Peter tells us uh, on marriage along the same lines in, in 1 Peter, he says, for us men, to dwell with your wives with understanding. Figure that out. <laughs> Good luck, right? Dwell with them with understanding. And then here, Peter, uh, Paul tells us to not be bitter towards them. And then children, obey your parents in verse 20 in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Now hold 23, 24 and 25 and look at chapter four, verse one, because that kind of, you know, I highlighted in mind the, the first word in verse 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, wives, husband, children, fathers, bond servants. And then, and then chapter four, verse one, masters, because it's all instructions. And, and every one of you in this room, you fit somewhere in this group. You, you're, you're a husband, you're a wife, you're a mother, you're a father, you, you're an employee, you're an employer. Um, somewhere there's instruction in this for you. And in verse four, cha- chapter four, verse one, he says, masters, give your bond servants what is just and fair knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, God takes all of this and, and he wraps it in verse 23, 24, and 25. And it says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. And so um, the first thing for us is God says for us to do it as unto him. Sometimes we say we do it in Jesus name along this vein. Right. And so what's cool is that is that God first gives us commandments for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for. Sometimes you men are like, you don't know my wife, pastor. How am I supposed to love her like Christ loved the church? Or, and then it says for you wives to submit to your husbands or to respect your husbands. You say, well, you don't know my husband. 
And maybe I don't know your wife or maybe I don't know your husband. But the cool thing is, is that whether they deserve it or not, God commands you to do it anyways. And, and then he, he lets us off the hook or he gives us kind of a, an, an ice skate, so to speak, around some of these things because he says, do it as unto him. So you take these commandments for us as husbands, fathers, children, um, employees, employers. And, you know, here it says to be a good employee, plain and simple, work hard. As, as a Christian, you should have integrity and it should, you know, your witness is on the line when you work. And so do it as unto the Lord. And you say, but you don't know my boss and he's a tyrant. and I'm not going to work hard for that guy. He's a jerk. And the Lord says, forget him. Just pretend like he's not there. And you do your job as unto me. And then look at the motivation that God gives us in verse 24. What's it say in verse 24? Knowing that from who? From the Lord. Just kidding. You will receive the reward of the inheritance for your service in, in the, for you serve the Lord Christ. So again, God says, listen, if you'll, if you'll put it in my economy, then I will um, reward you. And so it's like, the boy, the boy who brought Jesus the little bit of um, lunch that he had. He had a couple fish and a couple loaves, and there was 5,000 people that need to be fed. And the little boy took his Lunchable, you know, sack, and he handed it to Jesus. And the disciples brought him, and he presented his Lunchable to Jesus. And, and, and Jesus took this little boy's Lunchable, and he, and he multiplied it, right? And he fed 5,000 people. But in God's economy, that, that one little lunch that that boy brought that day, was enough to feed 5,000 in the hands of the Lord. And so that's kind of the principle here is that, yeah, some of these commands for us as Christians are difficult to walk out. But the cool thing is, God says that you, you can skip all those people that you don't like in your life, that bother you or that are hard to do these things to, and you can do them unto me, and then I'll reward you. The other thing that it does for us is it leaves us without excuse. Look, look, at, look at the last verse of chapter 3. It says, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. God doesn't pick favorites. Um, God, God didn't pick the apostle Paul as a favorite or Elijah or any of the men in the Bible, nor does God like we do here in our world have certain men and women that because of status or money that have certain partiality. God doesn't care. He, he doesn't have partiality, treats everybody the same. But, you know, again, if you, you know, some of us make a choice. And God says to be a good employer, to be a good employee, to be just and fair. And then you say, well, yeah, but you don't know my situation. Or you make a choice. You say, I'm just not going to do it. I don't want to do it. They don't deserve it. My husband don't deserve to be respected. You know, my wife don't deserve to be loved. Well, first of all, again, as you know, the Lord doesn't care if she deserves it or he deserves it. He says, do it anyways. But if you make a choice... And then you come to the Lord. He says, well, I didn't call you. I said you could do it unto me and I'll give you a reward. So it, it lets us off the hook. And again, we're without excuse. And, and in God's economy, it, it helps us motivate us for some of these things that God calls us to do in the Christian home. And then the last one that we didn't cover last week was just the one in chapter four, verse one um, for us as masters. But we fit it in today just a little bit. And so there's simple thing. If you're a master out there, and I think for all of us, I think maybe you can, you can um, relate to, to yourself to verse number one of chapter four. Um, maybe you're, you know, you know, I think in our terms, we, a master would be, you, you're, you're a boss and you have people that work under you, but maybe you're a mom and you have children that listen to you. Maybe you're a father and you have, you have kids that, that have to obey you. So in that respect, you are a master and, and here's your instructions from the word of God to do it just and fair. Is that hard? 
just and fair. So, you know, I, oftentimes for me, I think, you know, what would I want? What, what, who, for the people that work under you, for the people that you're a master over, for the kids in your house, you know, and, and how can we be just and fair? I'd encourage you to seek God. Ask God, is there, is there a part of your business? Is there a part of your life? Is there a part of your home where there is an injustice or there's something that you could do better or be more just and fair? Part of it is just being kind and being nice. Maybe the people under you need a raise or who knows, maybe they need fired. I don't know, but maybe that's just and fair. But being just and fair and doing it as unto the Lord. Amen? All right. Hey, so I just didn't want to leave that undone from last week, you guys. So we kind of covered that. But um, really today, what I want to talk to us about is um, prayer through verses two through seven. Let's look at those together. It says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how, how you ought to answer each one. And then the last, like I said, the last 11 verses here in, in, in Colossians, they're Paul's final greetings. And I, I'm not going to cover them today, but I just want to say this on them so I don't leave it completely undone. Um, Paul always had a supporting cast. And, and you know, you know how much, how highly I speak of the apostle Paul and his accomplishments and in writing 14 books in the new Testament, somebody really, as we look at all of human history, you know, there's a few giants of the faith that, that were seldom people were used greater than the apostle Paul. But, but what's cool is when you get to the end of each one of Paul's letters in the new Testament is that Paul takes a pause to, to thank the supporting cast and the people that are just as important. And then we know biblically that the reward for each of these folks when they get to heaven was the same as the Apostle Paul. That, that, that whether you, you stay home or whether you go, the Bible says the reward is the same. And it's not, it's not the call of God that God rewards. It's the faithfulness to the call. How many of you guys have ever heard of Ty Kelly? No? Nobody, probably. Hopefully not. Or the analogy doesn't work. How many of you guys have heard of Billy Graham? Ty Kelly has been Billy Graham's coordinator and organizer through the Billy Graham evangelistic crusade for most of Billy Graham's life. And he ran everything behind the scenes. And without Ty Kelly, there is nothing that Billy Graham can do. And, you know, and, and we have those all over, right? Spurgeon, who was one of the greatest preachers of the last century, ha had a, you know, today we have megachurches, which is kind of, you know, a new phenomenon, I think, recently. But Spurgeon, a hundred years ago, had a megachurch. I mean, this a sanctuary that seated thousands of people and he would bring people to the church there and he would ask them, do you want to see the engine that drives the church? You, do you want to see the power that fuels our, our ministry? The people would say, yeah, I say, it's in the basement. I come now, I'll show you, show you the, the engine house. And he would take them down into the basement of his church and there would be four or 500 people there praying. And they had the basement of the church open and folks could come all day long, seven days a week and pray. And every time Spurgeon was preaching, the group of people was there praying for him and praying for the people that God would work in their hearts and lives. And that, that was the supporting cast. And again, Spurgeon is the focal point. But, but I, I guarantee you there was some grandma in the basement who just really prayed for Spurgeon. And, and, he, and she's going to have every bit as a reward as, as the preacher when it, when it comes to it because the two go hand in hand. Another cool story, a true story about the Billy Graham evangelistic crusade. There was a woman 
who followed Billy Graham everywhere he went and prayed for him um, while he was preaching and just, just prayed for him. Well, Billy Graham, somewhere along the lines, he found out about this woman and she would travel and she would follow him to countries and all over the place. And wherever he went, she would go. And then he hired her and he would start to pay for her travel. And he, everywhere he went, he brought this woman with him who would, would pray for him. So that's kind of the supporting cast of the end that Paul mentions. The other thing I like is that at the end of this chapter, Paul brings people together. It's one of the things we see the apostle Paul doing. He's like, hey, you know, you, you over there, you need to get together with them and do ministry. And I'm going to send to you this other brother from another church and he's going to come and, and he's useful and he's going to help and he's going to serve. And part of what we do as a family of believers is, you know, is fellowship is make connections is serve. And so Paul was constantly doing, it's one of the things we say that for our church is that we want our church to live, love, and look like Jesus, you know, and that's just part of what Paul did practically and relationally. Amen. All right. So I breezed through that fast enough so we could focus on this. Let's look at chapter four, verse number two. I got 23 minutes, you guys. If you're not asleep yet, then just about five more minutes you will be. No, I'm just kidding. Hopefully we'll get it moving. So um, in, in chapter two, I want you to look at chapter four, verse number two. Hey, there's two adjectives there to describe prayer. I want you to find them for me. Continue. And what's the other one? Vigilant. How about vigilant? All right, vigilant. So earnestly and vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So Paul wants us to continue earnestly to be vigilant and do it with thanksgiving as we pray. Meanwhile, praying also for us. And Paul always asked us to pray for him or the people he was writing to to pray for him, um, which is a good idea for us to do. That God would open a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. So Paul was in chains here at this point. He didn't pray that God would release him from his struggle or his trial. Um, powerfully enough, Paul asked the Colossians to pray for him to be able to communicate the word. Opportunities for him to be able to share the word of God, to speak the mystery of Christ, and to open a door for the word. Now, when it talks about continue earnestly in prayer and vigilant in it. How many of you guys would describe your personal prayer life as earnest and vigilant? Anybody? Let me see your knees. Yours are pretty messed up. You got holes in your jeans. Look at that. Like you must be praying always. So again, what, what I want to introduce to us today in the, the topic of prayer is, is, a, is a facet of prayer that's part of the Christian living that's, that's fasting. And so um, as you guys know, we, um, we have a, a discipleship group that's, that's going through a, a, a prayer and fasting time right now. And so if you will, this is one of the uh, hermeneutics no-nos in Bible expository. See all these marks right here? These are all these tabs. These are all the places today that I marked out that I want to read for you. I won't get to half of them. Don't worry. But if you want to kind of follow me around today, you can. If you want to hang out and I'll get back or just write some notes, you can do that. But I want us to look at Daniel chapter 9. And um, the, the fast, the 21-day fast, it comes from Daniel. So I want to introduce it to that. But again, the premise of what we're talking about today is that, you know, I think we all agree. Tell me if you do. That... You know, we, we read our Bible and we pray. Everybody good with that? We connect to God. We read our Bible and pray. Anybody want to argue with that? You could go see Brian and sound booth. He likes to argue about that stuff. I don't. I'm just kidding. Um, and then what I'm going to introduce or add today is that we also, we pray. 
we read our Bible and we fast. And so let's look at what the word of God says about that. So first we see Daniel in chapter nine. It says, then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with flat, with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord, my God and made confession and said, and then the next part of Daniel nine going through is, is Daniel's recorded prayer for us in the word. But it says that he prayed with um, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. What does sackcloth and ashes mean? Literally, it means sackcloth and ashes. It, it was an Old Testament custom of the Jewish people that they literally would take their, their wardrobes off. They would get a, a, a burlap or a potato sack and they would cut holes in the heads and the arms and they would, and it was really itchy and they would put on sackcloth They would take ashes from the fire and they would pour them on their head that would then cover their, their neck and their ears and on their arms. And, and what would that ash do? It would create irritation. It would itch. And so literally when you see this in the old Testament, it literally was sackcloth and ashes. Um, and, and it denied the flesh. And so Daniel's fasting, he's in sackcloth and he's in ashes. Let me ask you this, put yourself in Daniel's shoes. You got itchy sackcloth on you, bare skin. You got ashes dumped all over your head. How many of you guys are going to go out to dinner? How many of you guys are going to go, yeah, you don't care, right? I'll go, yeah. But what, what are you thinking about in that moment with, with sackcloth and ashes all over your head? What, what's going through your mind? Probably the irritation. Nothing else could be going through your mind, just the idea that something's not right. And it was a custom that the Jews would do in order to help them, to keep them um, not focused on the flesh, denying the flesh um, and focused on the spirit. And so without a doubt, with sackcloth on your back, you would constantly remember that something was going on in your life spiritually that would force you to count on God, to rely on God, to seek God, to pray. And, and so the whole, um, the whole crux of fasting is that you deny your flesh And that you replace what you, as you deny your flesh, you replace it with something spiritual, with prayer and fasting. Now we're going to talk about, we'll talk about a couple different ways you can fast. I think I want to educate because I get a lot of questions on that about how to fast, what to do when we fast. But, um, but as far as just the, the, the three different types of fast, if you, there's a water only fast. Let's say you went 72 hours water only and you, you did a really good job and you got to 72 hours and all you ate was nothing and all you drank was water. But that's all you did was just forget food in your life for three days. What are you going to be after three days? Hungry. Hungry, that's it. Right? We shared that before. Because that's not the point. You don't get any brownie points. You don't earn any status with God. God doesn't look down and go, oh, wow, you're so special. You didn't eat for three days for me. He doesn't care. It's, it's not the point. The, the point is that, that we deny the flesh and we spend that three days seeking God. And that was the purpose for Daniel to put the sackcloth and the ashes on. It was a constant reminder for him. So when you fast, one of the things that naturally happens is you get hungry. So every time you feel those hunger pains, that's a constant reminder for you to pray, to read your Bible. And the other thing is that we spend a lot of time in your day preparing food, um, you know, uh, eating food, which is rightfully so. Jesus spent a lot of time eating. So, you know, I don't want you guys to get it twisted. Like Jesus loved to eat. Okay. Jesus was called a wine bibber and, 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 and glutton because he was constantly eating and constantly hanging out with people doing what they did. But, but the idea of fasting is that when, you know, it does take a lot of time and you replace that part of your day just for a, a period 
and, and you, um, you seek the Lord. Then if you turn one page in Daniel, if you turn with me to Daniel, let's look at Daniel chapter 10. We get this amazing um, um, testimony of prayer in Daniel chapter 10. And I really wish I had time to walk us through a little slower through Daniel 10 and pick up some of the points on it, but I don't. So we're just focusing on fasting today. But in Daniel chapter 10, it says, in those days... I, Daniel, in verse number two, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. How long? How many days is three weeks? 21 days. So again, we, that's, where we, that's where we get the 21 days. That's why we call it a Daniel fast. If you hear that expression or that term, Daniel fast can mean two things. Daniel fast doesn't necessarily mean 21 days. But then because in verse number three, Daniel says, look what he did on his fast. Daniel ate no pleasant food, no meat. No wine came into his mouth, nor did he anoint himself at all. Three whole weeks were fulfilled. So the fact that he didn't anoint himself, I don't know if that was their version of a shower or cleaning up. And so maybe he stunk too. He didn't shave and cut his nails. And so he'd have been looking funky and smelling funky after three days, after three weeks. But he didn't completely, he didn't say he does water only. So the Daniel fast, he would have used fruits and vegetables, but not, not fasted just water only. And so that's what we call a Daniel fast. A Daniel fast is where you, you fast, um, you know, meats, vegetables, different things. So, but not necessarily everything. So three types of fast for the men that, um, that we, that we have, and we challenge to fast this week. First thing we said is that there's no, there's no judgment in our fast, right? Chris, you get a meatball on Wednesday night? <laughs> and Jordan was there and Jordan was like, Hey, what are you doing? We're fasting. You know, and I was like, no, Hey, Hey, no, there's no judgment on our fast. That's not what it's about. Like if, you know, again, um, if, if, if it's about what we eat or what we don't eat, then, then we miss the whole point. You know, it's about spending time with Jesus. So Chris fast is what we call a Jewish fast. And the Jews fast this way to this day. Has anyone done a Jewish fast? I think someone just did one recently. Jackie, oh, she's next door. So on a Jewish fast, you, you don't eat sunup to sundown. So you eat in the morning, you fast while the sun is up, and then you eat sensibly in the evening. It's called a Jewish fast. And that's what Chris was doing. <clears throat> so then um, for me, on my 21 days, we, I do like a mixture of the three. So I have a Daniel fast, which is fruits and vegetables a Jewish fast, I have a water only fast, and I have um, another type of fast where I do liquids only. So we encourage the guys, just just make a sacrifice to seek God. And that's the whole point, right? And so for me, I try to set a calendar in my 21 days. I'll do certain days, it's water only. And then on a water only day, if I'm really hungry and I'm having a bad day and I really want to go get a big fat cheeseburger, and I like to eat cheeseburgers, don't bacon. And so it's good for me too. I lose a couple pounds. You can double dip when you fast too. It's supposed to be spiritual, you know, and you're seeking God, but Hey, if there's a little bit of, you know, double dipping and and you get a little bit of diet on it too, it's okay. But, um, but on a, on a water only day, let's say I'm, I'm trying to seek God with a water only day. So the half hour during lunch, I go in my room, I close the door. I spend some time with the Lord. I do that during dinner time, but I'm having a rough time. Then I'll eat a few crackers or I'll have a banana or I'll have an apple. And I don't, again, try to, you know, get too twisted on what I eat and what I don't eat. I really try to focus on just just serving the Lord. And then um, 
as Daniel did here, fruits and vegetables. So then I'll mix days in, in my 21 days. So I have a water only day on Monday, Tuesday, I'll do fruits and vegetables. So I eat bananas and these little, whatever fruits. And, and I like those little, um, peppers and that are snack foods and an apple or something. And then I maybe try to throw a water day, a water only in day. And then as I get in later in the fast, I throw a couple water only days together. You know, you know what the interesting things, the, the medical journal, um, I read a medical journal. I have several of them. I should bring one. Um, but you know, the healthiest thing for the human body, science medical journal, they say the healthiest thing you can do for the human body is a water only fast, 72 hour water only fast twice a year. If you do that and on a regular basis that your, your percentage of heart disease, the percentage of cancer, the percentage of obesity, all of the, the health risks and, and negative things in our lives go way down just with a, with a water only fast twice, twice a, a year, three day water only fast twice a year. And so what's cool about it is that it's Bible. Like God said a long time ago that it was good for you and it was healthy. And, and then for science to come along and say we do it. So I want to encourage you guys in that. And then, you know, people always ask me too, because I get this question sometimes when we talk about fasting. What about my coffee? Can I drink my coffee on my fast days? And um, so it's up to you. But yeah, I, I drink my coffee when I fast because without, without my morning coffee, then I get the headaches and I get the caffeine withdrawals and, you know, it's just not worth it. And again, it just makes me miserable. And when I'm miserable, I'm not, I'm missing the point anyways. So, you know, and I still put my cream in there too. I usually put cream and sugar in my coffee, but today because I'm fasting, I didn't put the sugar in because I'm so spiritual, but, <laughs> but I still, I still drink my coffee and not, you know, if you're trying to do a, a medical fast and you just want to, you know, go three days for the health reasons too. And, and like I said, I, I think you can double dip, you know, I think you can, Hey, it's a good thing, healthy. And then I get to seek the Lord extra for three days, go for it. But again, I don't try to put, I don't try to make it so difficult that I can't succeed. And maybe some baby steps, maybe for some of you who the, the concept of fasting in order to seek the Lord is new, then, um, you know, starting, start with a Daniel fast and try a couple days. And then we always encourage people too, and, you know, because what do we see here in Daniel chapter 10? Again, without really going through chapter by chapter or verse by verse through this, basically Daniel has some major things that are going on in his life. And as a result, he, he presses into the Lord, sackcloth and ashes, and he doesn't, and he fasts for 21 days, pressing into God. And so, you know, maybe you have a major turning point. Maybe you have something, a, a huge decision you need to make in your life. As a believer, um, one of the things that fasting does is it brings God's, it, it helps bring God's revelation in your life personally for his direction, right? The Bible says God's word is a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet. What, what does a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet do? It, it shows you the way. It, it guides the way to you. And, and so fasting is, is very similar, Fasting brings um, God's revealed revelation. And that's what happens in chapter 10. It puts Daniel in a sensitivity. And, and believe me, again, you, we could do it. Honestly, we could do the same principle without fasting. If you just really pressed into the Lord through prayer and reading the word and really seeking God, um, you know, for 21 days in your life, you could probably accomplish a lot of the same goals. But what the fasting does is, again, it just it, it motivates that. But how many of you guys, let me ask you this. How many of you guys want 
God's revelation in your life personally. You want to hear, you know, you want God to speak to you. Maybe you have a hang up in your job or you have some kind of thing in your work that just not quite working well. And, you know, God has the answer, right? And God can speak to you and give you vision for your job, for your workplace, for your home. Maybe there's something that's broken in your home and and you want God to speak to you and and receive that revelation from God. That's the the heart of a fast is that God can bring um, new and and future and and reveal things through you in the fast. So the fast, number one, you can write these down. If you're taking notes, it denies the flesh. Number two, it promotes, you know, spiritual things in your life. And number three, it, it brings revelation. And that's what we've seen in Daniel. Now, um, I want to, I want to go to new Testament. Um, I'm really tempted to stay in Daniel for a few minutes and, and go over a few things. But let's look, if you're turning with me, turn with me to, to Luke chapter 9. And we're going to start there and then we're going to go back to Luke chapter 6. But Matthew 9, verse 14, it says, you guys there? Matthew nine 14, I'll wait for you. It says, then the disciples of, of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? So one of the common practices among John's disciples of the days of Jesus is that they would fast. And so um, they came to Jesus and they noticed that the 12 apostles that spent all this time with Jesus, they weren't fasting. And so they called Jesus on. They said, hey, we fast. It's common. It's 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 known that, that you know, people of God we, we fast and, and how come, and, and the disciples of John, obviously, right? They weren't the Pharisees. They were, they were following Jesus. And then it says, and Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, but the day will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And then what does it say? And then they will fast. And so Jesus said, while I'm with the disciples that, you know, I'm the bridegroom, it's a party, it's, it's, they don't have to fast. But when the bridegroom is left or when Jesus said, when I go up, then they will fast as a part of what, what Jesus was, um, was saying. And then look back at, at, at chapter six in Matthew in numbers, verse number 16. And this is the Sermon on the Mount, as you guys know, Matthew five, six, and seven. And it says, moreover... What's the next word? When you fast, not if you fast. Jesus said when you fast, meaning what? That Jesus expected, he kind of assumed that that Christians would fast or that his people would fast, right? And so Jesus said, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head with oil, wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you in open. So, you know, it's like, oh, I'm fasting. I'm so hungry and I'm so tired. I've been fasting for five days. And people go, ooh, you've been fasting to the Lord. You're so spiritual. You're such a hob, such a good Christian. You know, and, and again, that, that's not what, what Jesus said. He said, when you fast, anoint your head with oil, don't appear to be fasting, um, you know, and, and only do it as unto your father and let your father know. And some of you guys are saying, well, you've been telling everybody that you guys are fasting. Like, you know, what, what is the point? You know, but again, that, that it's not like we're, we're walking around and, and, and trying to receive glory because the, the, the fast was open. Everybody fast. The guys came to Jesus, right? And they said, hey, we fast. They talked about it. When do you guys fast? And Jesus talked about fasting. And the other thing that sometimes people, you know, get hung up on is that idea where, you know, I can't tell anybody I'm fasting. And then people come to your house or invite you to their house and they say, hey, are you hungry? And 
No, I'm not hungry. Oh, really? You think my food is that bad? Please eat. No, no, I'm not hungry. Oh, he must not like the food. I wonder why he won't eat. And, and, and number one, you're lying, right? You are hungry. <laughs> and you want to eat. So it's, again, it, it, as long as the heart is not trying to draw attention to yourself, not trying to, you know, appear to be something spiritual, you can say in sincerity and honesty without bragging, without boasting, um, not fasting or, you know, I'm fasting right now. No, thank you. And, and still, you know, catch the heart of what Jesus is teaching here. Okay. So, um, last thing you guys, and then, uh, clock says three minutes we will be done in three minutes, but we, we can't leave it undone without this one. So turn with me, if you will, just a couple pages to the right, Matthew 17, and in Matthew 17, I think we find um, really one of the, the strongest um, cases for the, the idea that Christians should fast and pray in the Gospels. And, the, um, and then again, we get some more in the epistles after. But in, in the Gospels specifically, in Matthew 17, we have this story. And it says in verse 14, it says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and, su- and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples. Disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse. Say faithless and perverse. Okay, underline those. I'm going to come back to those. Super important part of this story here. He, Jesus answered and said, Faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately and they said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your, what's the next word? Unbelief. I want you to highlight that. Okay. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith, and that's the next word. So faithless, perverse, unbelief, faith, a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from there and there and it'll be possible for you. And so um, the children of Israel who left Egypt wandered around the wilderness for 40 years um, and, and it came to a point where God judged them and God said, you will not enter the promised land. And the reason why leaving Egypt to going into Israel today, crossing the Jordan River was an 11 day journey. And it took 40 years. Why? Because God was waiting for that generation that he judged to die because they were not allowed to go into the promised land. And only those 20 years and younger were allowed to cross the Jordan and go into the promised land. Paul tells us in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament what the marked sin was of the nation of Israel, why they were not allowed to go into the promised land. What was it? It was unbelief. He says that because of unbelief, they they couldn't go in. And so here Jesus is dealing with unbelief. And then look at verse 21. And Jesus says, however... This kind, remember the disciples come to him and they said, how come we couldn't cast out this demon? And Jesus said, however, this kind does not go out but by prayer and fasting. And, and so Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, in context, when you just read that um, through, you think that Jesus is immediately you think Jesus is talking about that demon. Like there's a certain kind of demon that this boy had that Jesus cast out that only comes out by prayer and fasting. So when he says this kind, is he talking about a certain kind of demon that only comes out by prayer and fasting? Not at all. 
Not, not when you catch it in context. It doesn't have that Jesus is not teaching here his disciples the rite of demon exorcism. Like you got to make the sign of the cross this way and throw the holy water over this shoulder to cast out the demons, you know, and that, that's not what Jesus is teaching. He's not teaching them that they messed up this exorcism because they, they got the, the, the holy water wrong or because this particular demon. What he's dealing with is back in verse 17. We, we highlighted it. A faithless and perverse generation because of your... In verse 20, he tells them why they couldn't cast the demon out. Why? In verse 20? Had nothing to do with, with the rite of exorcism. It had to do with the condition of their heart. And he tells them in verse 17 what the condition of their heart was. He says, faithless and perverse. So your perverseness is a connection to the world. Like we're connected to the world in our lives, you guys, in so many ways. Whether we like it or not, we, we, you know, we, we have a natural. And I'm not, not saying it's all sin in your life or in my life or anybody's life. But I am saying a truth that there is a real connection in every one of our lives to the things of this world. Whether it's through the whatever, the TV, the music, the sports, the life. There's a connection to the world. And because sometimes that connection to the world gets stronger in our lives than our our connection to to our faith and and to God, then then we create this separation from God and a connection to the world. And that's what Jesus is dealing with here in the disciples. That because of their perverseness and their unbelief, they were in a position where they were disconnected with God and more connected with God. The world, and when this opportunity to do ministry came up, they weren't prepared. And so Jesus said, "What comes out by prayer and fasting is the perverseness and the and the unbelief." And so, what you know, that moment that 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 father brought this boy to the disciples, they couldn't stop and say, "Okay, hold on, just wait right here. We're going to go away and water only fast for three days and pray for you, and come back." prepared now to do ministry, they, they, they had to be prepared that moment that that opportunity presented itself. You know, you guys could walk out of here today. You don't know what the rest of your day is going to hold. And as you guys all know, God never promised any of you tomorrow. Kids in Florida didn't know that right on Wednesday when they woke up and got ready like they did every day to go to school and didn't come home that day. And, and, and so God, th- that particular day, nobody had time in Florida in a school at two o'clock to stop and go fast and pray to prepare their hearts for something terrible and, and really get filled with God's spirit and have the power they need to do ministry at that moment. But had they started two weeks ago and, and had they presented themselves a life of, of praying and fasting, then when the moment presents itself, they would have been ready. And that's what Jesus is dealing with here, here in 17. He's dealing with, again, for you and I, and I think it's a call, right? It's a connection that we need to pray and fast. And again, I think for everybody, it's different. And for some people, the the concept is, um, you know, it's new and it's hard. And again, it's not an area of judgment. It doesn't make you a better or worse Christian. It's just, it's a better connection in your life. And you want to be a disciple and, and be closer, begin to add some fasting in your life and take what Jesus said here that, you know, and maybe you, you're, you, you need an answer. You're not getting revelation or you're, you're struggling with the connection that you have to the world and you're, you're lacking in faith in your area. You want a solution for that? Close your mouth. (laughs) Don't put anything in it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's only part of it, right? To, to, to seek the Lord through fast and prayer. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Hey, so the, the other half of it, you guys, today was just... Um
to encourage us that, that, you know, in praying, you know, and the Bible says, and I had about 17 more, like I said, Bible tabs that I just didn't get to today, but to encourage us, let's have the worship team come up and close us in a song, but just that, you know, Paul says to pray without ceasing. Paul says to pray continually. Jesus said most famously for, you know, for us as a church is to watch and pray. It's, it's called of us to watch and pray, to pray, pray, pray. So I'm encouraging us as a church during this season that we would, um, you know, spend some time. And I want you guys to be practical and intentional about it. You know, like I teased last week, a couple weeks ago, I think I said, you know, somebody puts out a prayer request or, hey, will you pray for my friend or pray for my sister or pray for me? And we, we text back these praying hands, you know, and we think we did our job. You know, I told the guys this week, messing with them too. I said, hey, don't text me back, no praying. I sent out a prayer request. And I said, don't text me back, no praying hands, unless you're actually going to get on your knees and pray. Unless you're actually going to, you know, live it out in your life. And, and I'm guilty as well, you guys. I get lots of prayer requests. And I say, oh, yeah, brother, I'll pray for you, you know. And, and do I actually, like, take the time? And, and, and it doesn't have to be a lot of time. But just a real time to, just to pause and pray for folks. And so I want to encourage us this week. Amen. And just, and just being practical about our prayer lives. Um, if you have any questions on fasting or you want to maybe take a personal challenge, there's a book that we read for the men that goes through the medical sides of fasting, that goes through the different options and different ways you can fast. It's called Awakening by Stovall Weems. You can get it on Amazon. And it's just one of the pastors who wrote a pretty comprehensive book on fasting and biblical fasting. And so um, we encourage you guys to, to check that out if you want to um, make that a part of your, uh, your regimen for this, this coming month. So let's pray together. Father God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for, uh, for Jesus. We thank you, God, for Allie and Jason today and their family being here and for Andy getting dedicated. And Lord, what a blessing to be a part of that as a church family. And um, Lord, we, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, God, for this call to, to fast and pray, Lord. And this challenge that comes from your word. And we see that the disciples were told to fast and pray and that Daniel fasted and prayed and then it was very cultural and, and very biblical. And so, Lord, we as your people, we want to we seek you. We want to receive further revelation about our lives personally, about direction, about helping us to be obedient to the word and the things that you've told us to be, to love our wives as Christ loved the church, to submit to our husbands, to be good bosses, to be good employees, to be obedient children to be kind, to have tender mercy in our heart. And Lord, as we seek you, that you would fulfill those things in our lives. And God, speak to each one of us about, about the, our personal um, commitment and role in fasting. And uh, Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you guys.